You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of a lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. My name is Paul Barnett, and you are listening to The Great Coaches Podcast, where we explore leadership through the lens of high-performance sport by interviewing great coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our teams better. Our great coach on this episode is Indian national badminton coach Pulela Gopichand. As a player, Pulela won his first national badminton championship title in 1996 and then went on to win the title five times in a row. In 1999, he won the Toulouse Open Championship in France and the Scottish Open Championship, and then in 2001, he won the prestigious All England Open Championship. He started coaching in 2004 and in 2008 founded the Gopichand Badminton Academy. In the last 120 years, India has won 35 Olympic medals, and Pulela has coached athletes that have won two of these. He's also coached players to win four World Championship medals, including one gold and 15 Super Series titles. Pulela is a coach with a deep appreciation of the role that mindfulness, passion and belief can play in shaping individual performance. He believes that your mental strength comes from the efforts you put into being physically strong and that this physical strength comes from your training, recovery, nutrition and overall lifestyle decisions. He is also driven to create change in the world around him through sharing his learning on what is required to be a world champion with whoever is willing to put in the work and make the required sacrifices. 
Some of the other key parts of this interview for me were his belief that science, not the athlete, should drive the athletic system in India. And he describes this system as being coach-led, sports science-driven and athlete-centric. The importance of athletes managing their life outside of their sport so that their mindset develops in a holistic way. And the importance of having people around you who don't just tell you good things, but rather the truth that you have to hear. It took a long time for me to reach Pulela for this interview, and I'm so glad I persevered. His approach to life and leadership resonated with me very strongly, and I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. And just before we go to the interview, if you're a first-time listener, you can check out our library of interviews with other great coaches at our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. And while you're there, if you'd like to help our podcast, which is fully independent and free from ads, you can follow the link to our Patreon page, where we offer exclusive content to our supporters. And now, please enjoy our interview with Pulela Gopichand. You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Good afternoon, Palela Gopichand, and welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Gopi, I have been chasing you for so long, so I'm very interested to talk to you today and hear your story. You are a coach that is spoken about in such glowing terms by so many people. But before we get into that, maybe I'll ask you something really simple to kick us off. Where are you in the world today and what have you been doing so far? The last couple of years, there's been very less travel. I've always been in Hyderabad, India. This is the southern part of India, more towards the central part of India. This is where I have grown up and this is where I have my coaching set up as well. And the last two years have been pretty much because of COVID, all the more here. But in general, I've always been at Hyderabad. Well, we're very happy to have a little bit of your time today and look forward to hearing all about badminton, which is, of course, the sport that you are noted for. But if I could start by maybe talking to you about some of the great coaches that you've had experience with. In my research, I could find that there was SM Araf, there was Prakash Padrakone, I hope I'm getting that right, and Gaguli Prasad. Maybe from this experience, what is it that you think the great coaches do differently that sets them apart? Well, for me, I think I was very lucky that I had the right coaches at the right time. Uh, Why I say this is sometimes a great coach who's training you at the highest level may not be the one right for you at the beginning stages. So for me, I had a coach called Hamid Hussain. Hamid Hussain, sir, was my coach when I started badminton in 1985. And when I started playing, he didn't teach me many things on the sport. But what I remember, what I clearly think was his biggest help was that he made me love come to the stadium. He made me come to play the sport. And at that point of time, he was the best coach I could have had. It was not anybody with the greatest of knowledge or science or produced champions, but somebody who made me feel comfortable to play the sport, want to come back tomorrow and make me aspire or think that Badminton is a fun place to be in as an 11-year-old. I think that is all I could have asked for. And it was great to have him at that point of time. I had Arif sir about four years later, about 1989. That was the time when I was transitioning from being a fun kid coming to the play to wanting to be something. And he was the right person for me to tell me about discipline, He was the right person to 
put some structure around because he was a very strict disciplinarian and as somebody who's 16 17 year old i think it was important that we needed somebody who would put that element on which was very very important discipline and structure and hard work i think that is what he made and he was at the right time at the right place for me and prakash sir was my next coach for me more than what he taught his presence and the fact that he had won the all england in 1980 he was somebody who had achieved the highest medal or the title in the world at that point of time for us to see him in in real to actually interact with him to listen to him and to learn from him and to actually think that we can also be like him having heard from him that you can try to be better i think that was what was important at that point of time in my career so after him i had ganguly prasad i was 27 26 years old back then that was kind of the prime age for sport or with the lack of sports science and physios and nutrition people would kind of retire at late 20s and early 30s so kind of it was the fag end of my career so to say but i wanted somebody and he was there like a friend to me and he we could share a lot of things we could plot things we we could be discussing maybe sometimes not argue but i could pull his leg a little bit and i was close to his family and so these things really helped at a later stage and to be honest my journey of talking about coaches wouldn't be a uh, complete without the mention of two other coaches one would be in 91 and 92 i had a chinese coach called wang shaoman who was there he was from china he actually was there for a couple of years but he actually taught us what real badminton training was how hard you needed to push we we were never used to picking up weights or running or finding ourselves really tired after training and he showed us what the world was training like so he was very very important in my life coach who came in was suyan i played for a club in langenfeld in germany and he was the coach of the langenfeld club team he was somebody who's influenced me quite a bit in my formative years so i think i just look at my journey and i feel a lot of divine grace in it because it was almost as if somebody had plotted the right people in my life at the right time and that's why i feel blessed about having each one of them at the right time and that makes me so happy or makes me so grateful for this journey and life of mine Gopi, you started that answer by talking about 1985 and um, you were saying, but if I could take you back there for a minute, because I've read that at that time you were a young boy who was breaking window panes at home and it was your mum who actually said, we better get you down into a cricket team. But of course, you didn't get into that team and then you tried tennis. But as you say, there was too many cars parked outside. So you went to the badminton hall that was empty. So your entry into badminton was by chance. And I was wondering... How does that experience shape your coaching philosophy now that you're looking for young players? For us back then cricket was the only sport. Luckily today there's a lot more different sports in the country which we think are possible. But for me today when I look at kids I don't think you can plan 
that you will become a champion or you can actually be going to take this as a career i think it's very important for us to understand that fun and enjoyment of sport should be a primary objective of a kid coming through there might be few parents or few champions who've been structured because they've made it all the way but i think primarily it's very important that people come and the kid enjoys the sport and you don't know whether what will happen i think every step you climb you see that the next two steps are possible and then you take those two steps and then you can climb another two steps i think that is the philosophy which i have i think uh, i go back to what my coaches have done hamid hussain sir didn't think of me as a champion he just thought that this kid should have fun and if i have fun i'll come back the next day and arif sir was determined on the process prakash sir showed me the what is possible and then in the end ganguly prasad and me worked together to make it happen in some sense but to be fair i think people coming in with a plan that i will make this a career at the very beginning of their sporting life i think doesn't happen so for me i would say come have fun enjoy the process refine the process and if you have it in you to make it big in the world i think it's unfair on the talent you have that you don't give it the right direction or give it its total true potential copy a turning point in your career was winning that junior badminton championship in 1991 in goa can you explain to us why that was such a turning point for you i think for us to understand the topography or to understand the geography and the culture of the place we are in what we call a telugu speaking state where majority of the people end up especially during that period of time as engineers so most of the software guys who would see across the world a lot of them would come from this part of our state so it was the only profession so to say for many of us growing up so for me also it was the same in the sense either you need to take maths physics and chemistry as your primary subjects in your 11th and 12th standard and then you go on to become an engineer and or you take biology and you go on to become a doctor so these were the only known professions and i was also in that path as well but for me in my family my brothers gone to the best school in the country it's called the iit and he went on later to be a software engineer and a scientist but many of us in the family all my cousins have also done the same or and the friend circle is also the same so when i was playing i was the smaller guy in my age category and i would not win any tournaments other than the state championships so when i would go for the country's tournaments i would actually lose in the initial rounds and parents were really worried whether this guy can make it as a career in sport or not and i was given this one year to play badminton where if i was winning at the national level i would continue to play if i wasn't winning at the national level i would be forced to go back and study and that year was 1991 and luckily for me i won the junior nationals in that year played for the country in a test match against malaysia 
as a home entrant in Hyderabad and more importantly, got a job in Tata Steel as a supervisor in sports supervisor, which kind of put the apprehensions of me not being able to do anything with my badminton, but at least he can get a job. And that kind of settled the path for me to take sport as a career, badminton as a career. I'd like to jump over the fabulous playing career that you had and all the the trophies because that's been spoken about a lot. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about the coaching that you do with young people. And I'd like to start by playing back a quote that I have from you, actually. And you say, the biggest driving force for me is to change the contours of Indian badminton. What I missed as a player when at my peak, I am just trying to ensure that my trainees shouldn't. So I'd like to ask you, could you tell us about the academy that you've set up to help fulfil this mission as you've articulated it there? Paul, when we talk about sport today, we're talking very different things. We talk about sports science, we talk about nutrition, psychology, physiology, and a lot of different things. But back then, growing up for me, the challenges were very, very different. We'd go to the stadium and waiting if the watchman would come. We'd be waiting if we go inside, if the electricity was there or not. If we go inside coaches, shuttles, everything was an issue. We would have a marriage function in the ground and the, the ground would be closed. We would have elections and the stadium would be taken up for two to three months to keep ballot boxes of the election. So for us, for me, growing up, the sport, I've played more football because of lack of shuttles. I go to the stadium, shuttles were too expensive for us to buy and play ourselves. So if nobody is giving us or the government doesn't give us, then we actually would play football. And that's what we would actually do, spend a lot of time doing. So for me, when I won the All England, it almost struck to me that if I can win the All England, anybody can. And that is what the mindset was. And also, the other thing for me was, I was very fortunate to learn from a lot of coaches about the sport, but also a lot of things which I learned were by trial and error, whether it's the kind of game I need to play, the mindset which I need to have, the strokes which I need to play, the speed at which I need to play, the food which I need to eat, the preparation to matches. All of these in my mind were were done after a lot of trial and error. So it helped me find out what worked, but actually in my life it never I could have done these things better and quicker. So for me, when I won the All England and when I actually finished playing, I almost felt I had this great formula which was there, which was available to me to win. But unfortunately, I didn't have the body in me to use it. I was already had three, four knee surgeries, three on my left knee, one on my right knee. I had multiple metatarsal fractures on my right foot. And then my body was breaking down. So I almost felt an urgent need or a drive to use the formula which I had found out after years of playing. And that is when I started to, or when I jumped into coaching to ensure that I find the bodies which I I can use. And the only thing which kept reminding me was if I can do it, many others can. And that is how I jumped into coaching. Wow. 
there was a little bit of a journey from that moment to 2006 when you became the Indian national coach. And your old teammate, Aravind Bhatt, says there was a grand rebellion at the time <laughs> because when players went to competition, you wanted them to stay in camp on their work and fitness, but they obviously wanted to do other things like eat well and go out and sightsee. So how did you manage this tension within the team when you first became the national coach? To be honest, I didn't want this position as much there was the president, Mr. V.K. Varma. Uh, he was an international member of the Badminton World Federation. So when he went out, people would say Indians are good, they have good skill, but they don't have the fitness. And given a chance, I would have avoided that. And I was wanting to work on the juniors and ensure that they prepare better. But he wanted results and he said, Gopi, I think we should go for it because it is very evident that if these players had worked a little bit on their fitness, the results would be totally different. So there was this grand rebellion. It just was painful because it was not something which was my decision totally. But then I understood that the position which I was in and the way things are, you need to actually work together with people. And sometimes you have to absorb the blame and the pressure even if you're not the reason for it. So I kept quiet. I kept working on a few things. And luckily, not very quickly, it took a couple of years for things to move around and the new generation of players to come on and start beating the other players. By then, some of them realized, and all of them realized now that we could have done better if we had actually gone with Gopi's plan. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You've been very vocal about this plan, this focus on fitness and the need for training to never be comfortable, is the words that you use, so that the match can look effortless. A lot of people will be listening wondering, how does one train or prepare for badminton? So I'm wondering if you could share some of the details of the elite training program you put together for your best athletes. I think badminton as a sport at the highest level becomes very, very physical. And it's very important that you train beyond your comfort zone. So whether it's strength training or whether it's endurance or whether it's skill in terms of precision and the power at which you play and the speed at which you play, it becomes very, very important that you train at that intensity, which is very, very important. So I think training physically 
is very, very critical. So I think for me, when people talk about mental strength, it's a lot to do with the kind of effort which you put to get yourself physically strong, whether it's the training on ground or whether it's the rest of off the ground or whether it's the food which you take or the thoughts which you have. I think all of them become very, very important. So for me, a top athlete or aspiring athlete wanting to be a top player needs to revive and be pushing on the process time in and time out, trying to better the process on and on. And it means doing things which are not comfortable, which are out of your comfort zone, pushing yourself on each of these friends to refine and better yourself on the physical side, whether it's power, strength training, whether it's endurance, whether it's speed, whether it's technique, whether it's endurance, all of these things you have to raise the bar. And the, on the other side, you have to ensure that you're mentally stronger on court, you're mentally balanced off court, your relationships are sorted out, you're going on court and being smarter you know, tactically and you're on court refining your strokes and adding more strokes to your game all the time. So all of these things are to be done relentlessly at whatever level you are. And that is what real true professionalism is. Gopi, you have this coaching policy where you say the junior must challenge the senior and the senior must respect the junior, which knowing a little about Indian culture, I can understand why you would say that, but perhaps could you elaborate for our audience and explain why this mindset is so important to you as a coach? I think when you are playing, you want each player to go up and up and down. You want the junior to start at the senior and say, I can beat you. And I think that's very, very important because the general mindset in India is that you respect the senior and you put your head down and anybody age-wise a little superior or position-wise a little superior, you tend to actually, first thing is you bow your head down and say, uh, we accept it. But then in sport, it's very important that you actually challenge the senior. You have to go and say that I'm going to beat them. And it's equally important, strangely, for the senior to respect the junior because if the seniors are not respecting the juniors and they think that the juniors can never challenge them, they will be very complacent. And when you are complacent or overconfident and you lose a match, the effect it has on your mental confidence is too much to handle. It takes a lot of time for people to recover when they've actually been overconfident in a match and lose because of overconfidence. So I think from that perspective, it's very important that the senior respects the junior and believes that if I am a little lazy or if I'm a little loose in the attitude, uh, he will catch up with me. So it's very important that he respects the junior and the junior needs to go after and challenge the senior because eventually performances don't come gradually. Performances come by leaps. And for that leap to happen, you might have the physical ability, the technical ability, tactical ability, but if you don't have the mental ability to challenge the top, then even with having all of those things, you will lose because in your mind, you've not taken the challenge up. So it's very important for both to actually have this attitude. Gopi, you're very calm. 
it comes across in the TED Talks you've done, in the interviews you give, even in the tone that you're using in this interview. But you're also known for being very direct with your feedback to athletes. And I'm wondering if there are any particular methods, tools or styles of communication you use when giving that feedback. I think especially if I'm dealing with juniors and young kids, it's very, very nice feedback. It's always good feedback, very positive, very ignore the mistake, stay with the positives kind of feedback. It's always fun. So you want kids to actually be in that environment. But as professional athletes, I think it's important for athletes to know what is really wrong. And yes, I think for me, I think that's something which I do is give them the feedback, whether they like it or not is up to them. Because one of the things which I always feel is very important, which I think is very important, especially for us in life. And I've been very fortunate that I have parents and I have friends who will tell me things if I'm wrong. And all I expect from them is if I'm wrong, just tell me when it's wrong. Because many a times when players go up, you have a lot of people around who tell them all the good things which they need to hear, but not necessarily what they have to hear. Because there is a difference between people when they say, I want to do this rather than you need to do this. I think it's important that at least there has to be some person who's telling them right the way it is rather than actually always telling them what they want to hear. And this is especially true when athletes start going up. Interestingly, this feedback theme is something I wanted to talk to you about too in relation to one of your athletes, which is Sindhu. And the second time you were coaching with her, you were very firm on fitness and social media requirements, which of course is a big issue for many, many parents, coaches and leaders these days. Can you tell us about what happened afterwards, after you made these changes and gave her this feedback? Sindhu is somebody who was training with me from very long, almost about, say, 13 years. So I think for me, the relationship was very good in terms of having been able to tell her whatever needed to be told. When it's almost funny that we went to Australia, came back, she lost in the first round. This was February uh, of 2016. And then I called her, there were about nine points which I had made, few of them related to the game, few of them related to food and training. And the last point was that she needs to hand over the phone to me till after the Olympics, I would give it back. And she gave it and I took it and I gave it back only after she won the Olympic silver medal in Rio. So I think for me, that thing was important at that point of time because it's not about the fact that you're away from social media, but I think the fact that every time you feel that you don't have a phone in hand, you remind yourself or it remembers itself that you have sacrificed this for something higher. I think that thought continuously is what is very, very important. And I think it pays when you actually do these things. And I've always uh, succeeded in methods like this. Today, it's a bit different. Ideally, I would really want things to be a lot more clearer because playing sport is much simpler. It's like good food, good training, good rest and good thoughts. It's almost as simple as it is. And the best part of a player's life, which I enjoy, is the fact that 
your focus is very very simple it's about these few things and that's it but it's also true that today whether it's the top players in badminton or the other players there's a lot more social media so when you get off the flight the first thing on is instagram and then how many photos you upload or how many likes you get i think i definitely feel it's a distraction and it is best avoided not everybody can handle it well but even if the people are handling it well i would think that it's not without it it would be even better but having said that it's an evil which is there to stay we can't run away from it i think we need to at least compartmentalize it to the fact and say that i will use it only during these time and not during these times you mentioned something interesting there when you were saying it's all rather simple and you said good food and good thoughts i know that you're a proponent of meditation as a means of focusing the mind but helping people change their internal dialogue so they do have good thoughts is not easy have you found any routines or training methods that have helped in this space i think to look at the entirety of sport is important entirety of life is important we cannot have 6 hours 7 hours of good training and rest of the 18 or 17 hours of bad thoughts going on so you have to look at life in its entirety so it's very important that you have the right people around you it's very important that you have the right input which is coming to you and that becomes very very critical it's not possible that you are actually doing all the right things in training but you are messing up in the 18 hours of the day it cannot be a formula for success i think it's very important that we actually manage the things around sport in our life also properly and that is very very important the second thing i would still think because at the end of the day unfortunately one thing which is in sport is a reality as much as death is to life failure is to sport i think failure is something which is will happen and we need to be prepared for that i think it's important that we need to be okay with the fact that we will lose and we need to figure out ways and means to bounce back as well we can think of but as much as death is a reality failure is also a reality i think not to fall too far down is important and for that the mind should be prepared to actually be in a space where you're ready to prepare yourself for the next jump i think that is very critical you say that it's important to have good people around you but i have this another terrific quote from yogopi where you say that i believe that individuals are not bigger than the system that is why we should ensure a system is in place because individuals may come and go the process the process should not end abruptly could you tell me a little bit about the system that you're trying to implement in india these days to make sure that the individual is not bigger than the system well i think it's tough i would be honest to accept that when we started off in 2004 or when i started playing in internationally well in say the 90s late second part of 90s sport was much simpler because nobody reported about it nobody bothered about us so it was very easy to play sport you could be hiding you could nobody really cared about it. 2004 5 also it was the same case 2008 9 things started to change a little bit but especially the formative years of say 2004 to 10 when i was coaching also nobody bothered about us so there was no intervention in any sense and then players started coming up money started coming up the league started coming up 
interaction with managers started happening. Then we had administration and government and and a lot of people from outside of sport, very powerful people have started to make decisions belonging to sport, not necessarily with the knowledge of sport, but just with the authority of sport. So whether you would have bureaucrats who would be doing that, you would have association members who would be big politicians who would be doing it. And they are people who've succeeded in many walks of life who are not ready to many times accept the other point of view, even if it is coming from a person who's played the sport or achieved something in sport. So I think for me, the biggest challenge has been to actually move forward in very challenging times with people who have very different views, sometimes with not performance of sport being the highest on their mind. But at the end of the day, I would go back and say, okay, at least we've made some progress. Okay, it's not perfect, but I can live with it. I think that approach is what really helped. Sometimes there were days where I would be very upset, but I would say rather be in the system and try and sort it out rather than cry from outside the system. So I think that is the approach which I have taken. It's not been the best or the fastest for the results, but it has been a challenging journey is what I would say. So for me today, when I look back, I think when players become powerful, then the system and the system starts listening to the player, then you have a problem. I think it has to be coach-led, sports science-driven, athlete-centric is the word which I would use. I think that's very important that science has to drive in the system and not the athlete. But what happens is when a top athlete talks or a top coach talks, it could sometimes be that you are a top coach and you're talking and you actually, the system becomes coach-centric or administrator-centric or CEO-centric. It should not become, it should be athlete-centric. And it has to be driven by sports science. So we are far from achieving it at the moment, but the dialogue is on. People slowly start to realize that there is merit to how these things people are talking about. It's not that I am talking about, but anybody who has been in this, in an evolved sporting ecosystem would talk about it. But there are no easy answers to it. So I think it's very important that we produce a system which continuously churns players so that more and more younger players are challenging the seniors. And that is very, very important. One last question, if I could. You've said that, and I quote, I think the path somewhere has been made easy by people who have tread the path before us. And so I just wanted to finish by asking you, what's the legacy that you hope to leave as a coach? I live in the moment. I've played my badminton as a player with a lot of energy, with a lot of enthusiasm. I've done my part as a coach with a lot of energy and enthusiasm. And I don't think of legacy as much. I'm happy that's in the 100 floors of Indian sport or the 100 floors of Indian badminton. I would be there in the first foundation or the first floor is what I really think or look at. But truly, Paul, sounds funny, but I don't really think of 
the legacy bit in the sense when i'm gone it's done it's gone <laughs> it's it's like that it's so for me i'm really happy if a system comes in place and people who are grassroots coaches are really working hard to produce better and better grassroots players and handing over to the next level and then the next players go on to the next level sport becomes more inclusive parents look at benefits beyond medals governments look at sport beyond medals and everybody enjoys sport and each one pushes the other and hopefully we have a system where the process is rewarded more than actually the result in some sense i think that's a a wonderful place to finish with benefits beyond medals Pulela Gopichand, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today. It's a real highlight for me. I've been, as I said, stalking you for a couple of years. So I'd like to thank you for giving up some time this afternoon to talk about all things coaching and leadership. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure. It's it's great talking to you. Hi, everyone. It's Jim. You've been listening to the great coach, Pulela Gopichand. Gopi is a master coach who through his work, will no doubt go on to produce not only successful athletes, but also great leaders for society. Some of the key parts of this interview for me were how, in a patriarchal country like India, it's very important for juniors to have the courage to challenge seniors, and how senior players need to guard against complacency by being open to be challenged by juniors. How it was winning a junior tournament in Goa in 1991 that allowed him to challenge both his parents and society's expectations of him when it came to building a career in sports. His belief that every step you climb allows you to see that the next two steps are possible and how this focus on marginal gains is at the centre of his philosophy and his focus on leaving a legacy where he helped set up the foundation of his sport but is then soon forgotten because of the many others that come after him. I hope you enjoyed this as much as Paul and I did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know. Just like Chris Bennett from Australia, who said, I'd recommend this podcast, always interesting, with handy tips on coaching and life. And Alana Thomas, who was also one of the great coaches we interviewed, who said, love listening to Heineke Meyer podcast and how he followed his dream, even after others tried to stop it. Cheers, Chris. Thanks, Alana. This interaction with people around the world who listen to us give us great energy. All the details on how to connect with us and other people who are interested in leadership insights from great sports coaches are in the show notes. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.